like that. You want to Hello, try everybody, and welcome to like this Wednesday mask. edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh, my goodness. We are back. We are back. We are back. I apologize. I apologize dearly for um, for not doing a show on Monday. And I gravely apologize for not doing a show all of last week. But like we said the week prior, we were on vacation. Me and my family took a nice little vacation down to Gulf Shores, Alabama, which is where I've been I've been once before. And it wasn't hot. I was actually relatively surprised with, with going down south in the middle of August, down in Alabama, and down these wet, humid places that are even, crazy enough, more humid than the state of Iowa, which doesn't feel possible 90% of the time. But these places be humid, they be hot. But this one, it was it was humid. It was very humid. But it was about like 75 to about 85, maybe sometimes pushed up to 90 degrees. And thank the Lord Almighty, your boy did not get sunburnt at all. There's been times I've gone down south before and I've got my, my feet burnt, which hurts. I don't know if any of you have had your feet burnt before. I would not really, I would not, I would not recommend it getting your, your, uh, the tops of your feet burnt. I felt like I was at one point because the sand be hot 99% of the time. So you have to run down to the ocean to get away from the sand, get out of the hot sand, and go down to the wet, cool sand. That still gets everywhere. Sand gets everywhere. It sticks to everything. I hate sand. It's coarse, and it gets everywhere, as the boy Anakin Skywalker once said. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. If you haven't seen Star Wars Episode Two: Attack the Clones, it's the greatest movie of all time. Whenever I ask people what their favorite movie is of all time, I go, so what's your favorite movie and why is it Attack of the Clones? Because it's a cinematic masterpiece. Cinematic masterpiece. Every time I go somewhere, like, hey, guys, we should watch a movie or something. You got Attack of the Clones? You got Disney Plus? You got some totally legal way to not pirate this movie? Because we can watch Attack of the Clones in so many different ways. It's it's insane. It's beautiful at the exact same time. Who doesn't love Attack of the Clones? There might be some losers out there that say it's the worst Star Wars episode of all time. I can tell you this. It is 90% more enjoyable. We're going a lot of percentages today. 90 to 99 to 100% more enjoyable than episodes 8 and 9. I can promise you that. Even episode 1 is more enjoyable than episodes 8 and 9. So, for those of you who want to bash the prequels, uh, you know, jog on, as some of the, the cooler people say. But sand gets everywhere. I, I hate sand. Could I ever move somewhere like Alabama if I wasn't forced to? If I, so, if I was doing it on my own free will, would I move down to Alabama? Because obviously jobs in certain circumstances can cause people to move to places where they wouldn't have thought they would have ever moved beforehand. So, minus that, if I'm going on my own free will, will I ever go down to Alabama or anywhere down south like that? Probably not. Probably not. And when you're in the Gulf Shores of Alabama, you don't even see it on a map. Like, if you pull up... Actually, I should, I should have checked this before. Alabama map. Where's the map of Alabama? So if you pull up a general map, you can barely see where we were. Like, the Gulf, if you're just, I don't know, facing west, the Gulf is to the north, and then you've got the ocean. you got the Gulf of Mexico to the left, to the south. So you got two different Gulfs. If you get hit by a hurricane, good luck. Good luck to you. And they did, not too long ago, actually. But, man, it's hot. It's rainy. Sand. I it's not for me. It's not for me. Do I like visiting it? Yeah. But I'm also not a massive like and this is weird. I know a lot of people are gonna bash me for this because a lot of people love these types of places, but I'm not a big beach person. Never really have been. Like if I had to take versus going to Montana 
or going down to Alabama and going to a beach, I would pick Montana 99% of the time. Again, more percentages. I don't know why we've been doing so many percentages today. But, that's hey, that's where we are. That's where we are on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. But it was fun. It was fun regardless. My dad tried to talk me into doing like an SEC-style preview while we were down there. But I didn't have any of my stuff. I didn't have the the bags to carry all my crap down there because it's a lot more stuff than what it was when we first started with the blue snowball that is about, I don't know, a, a foot tall. Then that's pretty much it. It's got one cord and then you just plug it in the laptop and you're good. This is when we got a full stand. We've got a massive expensive microphone. We got a sound, but I don't know what you want to call it. It's not a soundboard where I can just click it and go make some random noise, but I've got a box thing and I've got my other box thing. I've got a lot of cords. And the amount of cords and the amount of stuff that I have is not able to fit in a suitcase. I only have one suitcase. It's not very big enough. It's not that big as it is. So it's not going to fit all of the crap that I have here. So we, we said, you know what? We're just going to sack off the show for a week and we'll come back on Monday. And then uh, didn't come back on Monday. And I don't really have a reason for that. Like, I have a reason for not being here last week. I was down in Alabama. But Monday's show, no reason at all. I sat around and did absolutely nothing all day Sunday. Nothing. Didn't do a single productive thing on Sunday. There were multiple times I sat around and was like, man, I could be recording a show right now. And then another part of me is like, you know what? You just want to relax today. You were down, and I know you're talking about, well, you were down in Bama, so you should have been relaxing all week. Well, I was still getting up early. I still did kind of work. I wasn't so committed to the grind as, you know, as we normally are. But I was getting up. There were times I got up at like 5.30. And when you're going down to vacation, you don't really want to be getting up at 5.30. You want to get up close to like 10 or 11. That's the ultimate goal. But then there's also the point of my internal clock being completely screwed up to where my sleeping in day was about 7. Which sucked. I hated it. So I did not really get the full relaxation time that I so desired in regards to sleeping in and things like that. So Sunday I was just like, you know what, we're not doing anything today. I'm not hanging out with anybody. I'm just sitting in my apartment doing absolutely nothing. And again, I walked past my into my room numerous times going, you could record a show right now. There's a lot of things that happened this past weekend in the past week that would make things like, oh yeah, we could probably we could probably come up with some talking points. We could probably do some stuff that would be make a an enjoyable enough show. I'm not gonna say it was gonna be the most enjoyable show of all time, but it could have been somewhat enjoyable. Before we get into the show, there are a couple things I want to go over. Firstly, we'll make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Twitter, and Instagram. Or Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, just search Logan Blackman Show. Subscribe to both. And of course, you're listening to it right now. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you're subscribed and or following the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. Leave a rating out of five stars on both. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. It could be about this episode. It could be about specific episodes in general. Or it could be just about the entire show. You can give it one star. You can give it five stars. I don't care. Just as long as you do the rating. I would greatly appreciate it both on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you have an Android, just do it on Spotify. And if you have an Apple phone or an iPhone or whatever, just download Spotify. If you just use Apple Podcasts, download Spotify. And all you got to do, just rate this out of five stars on Spotify. If you don't have Spotify already, just download it for that specific reason. Okay, we got 15 ratings on Apple Podcasts, at least last time I checked. Why don't you make it the 16th rating? Okay, that would mean, that'd mean, that'd mean so much to me. 
Give it 16 ratings. I don't care if it's five stars. I don't care if it's one star. I mean, I'm not going to brag. We are 15 five-star ratings. So that's that's one thing. But uh, we're not bragging. We don't, we're not a braggadocious show. Well, we are the champs. 15 and 0, you know? <laughs> but one person, this, this is probably the most shocking thing that happened all week. I, I don't even think it's close. So Saturday was the first day I was, so we got home Friday night at around 1230. So Saturday morning, I guess, technically. And Saturday, I was going to hang out with my friends. I had my friend Spencer come over. We watched Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk. Part two, Usyk won. Uh, split decision, nah. It should have been UD for Usyk. Joshua fought well. He fought. I think he fought better than the last time these two fought. But Usyk still came out victorious, as he should have. Joshua gave a really weird speech at the end of the fight. He said, I don't, I don't know what's going on in Ukraine, but it's not nice. One of the greatest lines of all time. And then now we've got a setup. We've got a boxing match set up between Tyson Fury and, and uh, Alexander Usyk, which was when Tyson Fury announced his retirement. I don't remember if we talked about this on the show or not. When he beat Dillian White, but everybody knew going into the fight that he was quote unquote retiring, and he was going to do the prize fighting that Floyd Mayweather has done since he quote unquote retired. Like Floyd Mayweather retired at forty nine and zero because he didn't want to pass Rocky Marciano for fifty and zero. And then the money fight happened, and then there was one other fight. I think he's fifty one and zero. At this point in time, Floyd Mayweather. And he's got a couple exhibition fights. He fought Logan Paul. He fought the, I think it was the Japanese kid. It was Japanese or Korean. I cannot remember which kid it was. But easily beat him. I mean, as expected. You're one of the greatest boxers of your generation. And, uh, yeah, you should be beating random kids that just challenge you out of nowhere. But Floyd got paid. Floyd got paid. And Tyson Fury seemingly was talking about going down that route with the Francis Ngannou fight. Which... I'm still up in the air about if I want to see it happen or not. I think it'd be kind of cool to see, but on one hand, it's like, ah, do I? Do I? I'll, I'll watch it. I will watch it. I can guarantee that I will watch it. But will I enjoy it? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But when he announced his retirement, everybody was like, okay, Tyson Fury. If he's nothing, he is a entertainer. First and foremost, Tyson Fury, great boxer, but entertainer first. You see him after every win he's had, he sings after the match. He always has a grand spectacle for an entrance. He's always on social media talking shit to anybody who will listen. And he's a fantastic fighter. Yeah, like everything you want Tyson Fury to be, he pretty much is, okay? Entertainer, boxer, personality, whatever. But when he announced his retirement, I don't think there was one person out there that actually believed that Tyson Fury was going to stay retired. His last fight against Dillian White... After he just fought Deontay Wilder three times? Dillian White? That's not the fight anybody wanted to see. And when Deontay Wilder reenacted his three, uh, his rematch clause for the third fight, because he was going to fight Joshua. Tyson Fury was going to fight Joshua. That was the fight everybody wanted to see. The two of British's best boxers. Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. But then once Deontay Wilder enacted his rematch clause, then the Usyk thing happened, and then it was like, okay. No one's really worried about Tyson Fury losing a... Deontay Wilder the fight that was everybody that everybody was terrified of that would be detrimental to the Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua fight was the Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk fight the first one and Usyk won to the surprise of hopefully no one and then the second one pretty much same thing Usyk won to pretty much the surprise of no one did Joshua hurt Usyk more in this fight than the first one seemingly yeah I'm not saying Usyk was like oh my god he or ever got close to being on the on the canvas but that's how much Usyk dominated the first fight. 
Manusik won. That put the fight in detrimental, in insane circumstances. So if Joshua won this one, then Tyson Fury, I would imagine, would stay retired. I'd imagine that. Because if Joshua somehow beat Usyk this time, Usyk was going to go back and fight him again, and then there's going to be so much time in between that Tyson Fury, I don't know. I really don't know. But now that Usyk beat Joshua, there's going to be a, a fight between Joshua or between Fury and Usyk. Deontay Wilder's coming back in October. We've got Terrence Crawford fighting a role Spence in November. we got Canelo versus Triple G in September. And then whenever Usyk versus Fury is going to be. It's going to be a ridiculous fight. Fury, 6'9", about 260, 270 pounds. Usyk, what, 6'2", 6'3", 222 pounds? Big discrepancies in weight and height. But that's the heavyweight boxing division. There's really no cap on how big you can be. When you look at Deontay Wilder and who he's knocked out, he's knocked out guys that are 80, 90 pounds heavier than him. Deontay Wilder's walking around like 220. Him and Usyk are similar, but Deontay Wilder's about five inches taller than Usyk is. But it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Both Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk are very technical fighters, so it'll be fun. It'll be a fun one. Whenever that happens. But that wasn't the thing I really wanted to... So that was what we started off the day doing Saturday. And they had a long-ass card. One thing that boxing does better than everybody is drawing out cards. They're going to be insanely long. A lot longer than what they probably should be. This thing started at noon. I think the the fear the Usyk versus Joshua fight ended around six, maybe six thirty. Like it was it was a long ass day, but the nightcap is what everybody was waiting for. This one, both fights, you really had an idea, or what you thought you had an idea of what was going to happen. You figured Usyk was going to be Joshua again, which happened, and then Saturday night you expected one of the greatest potentially was on his way to being the greatest welterweight of all time, Kamaru Usman moving past another opponent, Leon Edwards. And you could tell things were a little different at the start. Uh, Usman got taken down for the first time in his UFC career by Leon Edwards in the first round and almost snapped his ankle in the process. That one surprised it, – it made me go, ugh, a little bit when I watched it live. And they played the replay. It was like, oh, yeah, he was very close to snapping his ankle right there. It was like, oh, is Leon Edwards actually going to beat Kamaru Usman? And then the rest of the fight was pretty much standard. I mean, Usman dominated the rest of the fight. Dominated. Like, Leon Edwards' corner screaming at him. He's not even looking at his coaches. They were talking about in the press, the broadcast, that if Leon Edwards gets out of the fight, if he just makes it through, that will be seen as a moral victory. He got his ass beat that entire fight, apart from the first round. And then the last minute happened. I am sitting here and telling you I have never been so shocked in my entire life watching any combat sport. I've never sat there and got been in awe of what happened. Leon Edwards faked a left, a left straight. Usman dodged to the right and looked like he was going to counter with an uppercut or a right hook or something. And Leon Edwards catches him right in the chin, basically with an entire shin bone. And Usman is out cold. I have never, like, I was about to fall asleep watching this fight. Like, it, there was nothing Leon Edwards was doing that entire fight that made me think, oh, Leon Edwards is going to win this fight. There was not one thing he did that made me think that. Like, you had that initial thought in the beginning, like, oh, this fight's going to be a little different because Leon Edwards took him down. No one's ever taken Kamaru Usman down in the UFC. So it was like, oh, this could be interesting. 
But then the fight went as expected after that. And they were talking about on the broadcast, like, Usman could have just coasted. Usman could have coasted, but that's not the fighter Usman is. Usman's had some scary fights in the past, fighting Colby Covington, namely, where it's looked like, oh, he could get beat, and then ultimately comes out on top. And it's the second fight, he looks so much better than he did in the first one. Like, I think they stopped the one, the first Colby Covington fight, and then Usman destroyed him the second fight. When he fought Jorge Masvidal, Masvidal had very short notice. I think it, it might have been like six days or something like that. Beat him. Masvidal really didn't do a whole lot that entire fight. Basically, he was in the clinch on the ropes, on the, on the cage the entire time. Usman was doing the stomps on his feet and then knocked him out in the second one. Beat Leon Edwards the first time, so you're kind of expecting the same thing, and that's what it looked like was going to happen again. Go to a, a unanimous, unanimous decision. Usman defends his title for, like, I think it would have been the eighth or ninth time. And then you're looking at the rest of the welterweight division, you're like, what the hell does he do now? I literally had the conversation with Spencer during the fight before the Usman, geez, the Usyk-Joshua fight, about who beats Kamaru Usman. Who beats him? Like, no one was expecting Leon Edwards to come out on top of that, especially with how the fight was. I would love to know what the odds were going into the fifth round that Leon Edwards would win that fight. I would love to know what the odds were. Because that was insane. I went from about ready to fall asleep to being wide awake in a matter of two seconds. I've never felt like that watching a fight before. And Kamaru Usman, I would say, is my favorite fighter because of the whole William Penn thing. You know, we have the jokes on here, the pride of Penn. Am I a massive UFC fan? Do I Would I sit down and just watch a UFC event? Not really. It's more of a social gathering event. Do I enjoy watching it? Yeah. But I don't typically live and die by the UFC or what happens in a fight. Normally, do I care that much? Not really. Like, I have fighters that I cheer for, but Usman's really the only one that I'm like, I'll really cheer for. Everybody else is like, yeah, I'll pick a guy to win. Do I really know, like, a whole bunch about the UFC? I know fighters. I know who's good. I know who's not good. I couldn't tell you, like, pound-for-pound rankings or anything like that. I can tell you which fights are fun to watch, which ones are not, but I've never felt like that watching a fight. I've never been like that before. That was weird. That was really weird. And I was sitting there with Andrew and Spencer, and I was like, I'm, I'm like, not happy Usman won, but I just can't believe what I just saw. And they're going to have a rematch. There's no way they're not going to have a rematch. Like, Usman has cleaned the welterweight division out. So there's really no point for Usman to fight anybody. I mean, they could see them going with a Colby Covington route again, try to give him another chance at the belt. But this has to be a rematch. And I can picture the press conference now between Usman and Leon Edwards. Because Usman, my Spencer was telling me this on Saturday, and it's kind of a funny comparison, but Usman talks like an anime villain. He does. Deontay Wilder kind of talks like an anime villain. <laughs> and I could see Usman in the press conference basically go, I dominated you for four rounds. You got lucky. I dominated you for four rounds. You're not going to get lucky this time. I can see, I am going to bet that's exactly how the press conference will go. I beat, I kicked your ass for four rounds. You got lucky. You're not going to get lucky a second time. And he's going to throw the, throw the mic down. And he probably won't say another word the entire press conference. But from, so, from the social media stuff, they were respectful. 
They're respectful to each other on social media. So that's cool. But man, when you look at someone that you think is unstoppable, that you think no one is ever going to beat this guy, and then you see him get not cold, you see his eyes go, gloss over, I never thought I'd see that. Never thought I'd see that. And then it happened. And I'm still, I'm still in shock. And it was just me, Andrew, and Spencer. We usually have a big group of us watching these UFC events. And I wanted to send in our group chat. I was like, did you guys see it? But a couple of my friends are sick. Another one works early in the mornings. And the other one was up in Minnesota fishing. So I don't know if any of them actually watched it. So we were sitting there like, I need, we need to talk to somebody about this. But we can't send anything in the group chat because we don't know if they've actually watched it or not. And some of them will go out there and go, oh, I'm not going to watch. I'm going to watch the re- I'm going to go back because on ESPN Plus you can go back and watch fights over again, the full fights. And some of them, some, they put some fights on YouTube for free as well, which I could totally see them putting this one up there. So I could see them just waiting until they, like, Jared gets back from Minnesota. I don't know if Stevens watched it or not. Everybody else, I don't know. But I, I don't want to send anything in the group chat, even though it's the most shocked I've ever been. I needed to talk to somebody, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't talk to anybody except for the two people I was with. And I'm, I was about to fall asleep. And then, right as my eyes were about to close, Usman gets put to sleep. But I have no, I have really no doubt that he'll come back, and he'll. I, I would imagine that he's going to beat Edwards in like the third round or something. I think it's a nice story with Leon Edwards. And again, I'm not a UFC expert, so do not go like, "Oh, Logan's crazy." No, I am not an expert. I do. Not, I watch UFC on the weekends with my friends. I do not religiously follow the sport or anything. This is just how I'm viewing it as a fan. Of Usman's pretty much. I don't. I do not see a reality where Leon Edwards beats Usman again. I really don't see a reality where that happens again. And I think the rematch will last. Will be very short, comparatively. I do not think we'll be getting to the last minute of round five with that. With both fighters still being on their feet, I don't think we get in fighting. I would like to preface that fighting because they could be on their feet by the time the fifth round would have started but I don't think they'll be actually fighting by that point. <laughs> I think the again I think the fight will end either second or third round. Fairly easy fight and then Usman will get the belt back and then we go back to talking about who he's going to challenge in the welterweight division if he moves up a weight class and fights Izzy for his belt or what goes on there. I highly doubt he'll ever fight Israel Adesanya for his belt given how close they are, but you never know. You never know. Gilbert Burns challenged <laughs> Kamaru Usman, they were friends as well. They tried to get um Oh, crap. There was one fight fighter before the Usman fight. He's from Georgia. The country, Georgia. <laughs> they were talking about him fighting Aljamain Sterling as Aljamain Sterling's in his corner, and he's like, yeah, we're not fighting. Aljamain Sterling beats me every day in training and sparring and whatever. We're not fighting. So I could see that be how Usman and, and freaking Israel Adesanya are, even though everybody wants to be champ. Champ champ would be really cool to be. Something really cool to be. Israel Adesanya tried to be champ champ. Got crushed I think it was by Jan Bolhovic but no one really looks bashed him that much for that because the weight discrepancy was not it, it was never close great to him for staying in the entire time but like it wasn't it wasn't close that was too big of a jump at that time so no one really bashes Izzy for that they bash him for being a boring fighter but that's having boring fights but 
that the Jan Blachowicz fight's not. No one's really looking down at him for that. But Usman, we're just gonna have to restart the thing and hope a welterweight comes up. I think Kazmat Shemaev is someone that they're talking about him fighting eventually. But the next fight for Usman will be against uh, Leon Edwards. Again, be completely shocked if it's not. That's just, that again. I'm not saying that I'm <laughs> I'm 100% right on this, but that's just how I see it. That's how I, that's how I'm seeing it. Again, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. No UFC expert or anything. I try to be experts or quote unquote experts in other fields. Like if you were to call yourself Logan, if you were going to call yourself an expert of something, like you're the draft expert. Yeah. We could be the NFL expert or the college football expert. And we are getting closer and closer to football season. We got preseason football. We saw some starters play last week. The Bills starters played on Saturday against the Broncos. And it was awesome. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful game. Like the Bills starters were out there from one drive. Uh, Yeah, the offense looks good. The offense looks mid-season form already. Six plays. Every I think four of them were first downs. One run by uh, Devin Singletary. We had a catch by McKenzie, a catch by Gabe Davis for a touchdown, and a catch by Diggs. And when the offense trotted out there for the first time, Josh Allen had to quiet down the crowd. Like that, this team, they are the overwhelming favorites to win the Super Bowl at this point in time. I don't think there's been more. There's never in my, obviously in my lifetime, there's never been this much hype for a Buffalo Bills team ever. When you've had quarterbacks like J.P. Lossman, Kelly Holcomb, Trent Edwards, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, but let's be real here, he ain't challenged for Super Bowls. Drew Bledsoe, even though he went to a Super Bowl, fair play to him, but got hurt, was never the same after that, got benched by Tom Brady, benched for Tom Brady. You have Thad Lewis, Jeff Toole, Kevin Cobb for a little bit, Matt Castle, did I say E.J. Manuel? I love Tyrod, but he's not a Super Bowl challenger. But it's going to be – It's this team is – insane and they even have some of the defenses like Micah Hyde Jordan Poyer and Von Miller to even play the game the defense looked a little rusty you could tell on some of the earlier plays of the game where like uh Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds tackled each other like they were struggling tackling early in the game but they figured it out I think they won 47 to like 14 or 11 or something like that I don't remember the final the final final score because once you're you're done with the first (laughs) the first series of the game it's preseason football okay it's nothing that you're really writing home about I know most of the people that are playing later in the game for the Buffalo Bills are not going to make the roster because this team is very stacked in regards to the starting positions where there's not a lot of openings to fill for the starting spots. And the openings that are there are being filled by other players that have been rotational pieces in the past, like A.J. Beneza, Carlos Basham, Greg Rousseau, uh, Shaq Lawson's back. So you got positions like that. And the offensive line was a question mark in the past. Like last year, but the off the line is a lot better than what it was last year. At the beginning, if we're talking about last season, the beginning, there's no John Feliciano. There's Cody Ford got traded to the Cardinals for a fifth round draft pick. Wish that one worked out, but it didn't. And then uh, they brought in Roger Saffold from the Tennessee Titans, one of the best run blocking guards in the NFL. Scott Questenberry, very good rotational piece in the offensive line that can play both guard and tackle. Started at right guard, right tackle for the Bills because Spencer Brown's coming off back surgery, so. Spencer Brown will be back in the starting lineup soon enough. He played on Saturday, but not with the starters because they want to ease him back into things. He hasn't lost his starting job or anything. But this team's good. This team's good. Surprise, surprise, the Buffalo Bills offense looks very, very good. 
Very, very good. Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things in the preseason game. Yeah, yeah. There's really nothing to write. Like, would I say, if I was sitting here right now, which I am, would I sit here and say that I was surprised by anything that happened by the Bills off on the for the Bills offense on Saturday? No, not at all. Like even the backups, Case Keenum and Matt Barkley played awesome after Josh Allen came in. After Josh Allen left, and Case Keenum played really bad in the Week One preseason game. But it shows you when twos are playing twos versus when twos are playing ones. The Colts started their defense last week pretty much, and Case Keenum struggled mightily. But Case Keenum played very, very well on Saturday. I, I don't remember the exact numbers of what we were looking at for the Bills' offense in regards to the quarterbacks. But I think combined they had like three or four incompletions or something like that. I got to try and pull it. Oh, it was 42 to 15, Bills-Broncos. Three incompletions. They were 26 or 29 as a unit. Case Keenum had two incompletions. Matt Barkley won. Josh Allen at zero. But yeah, it was just a, a great game. And the Bills got a decent... Enough group of running backs. I think the run blocking improvements by getting in Saffold will be massive. And Ryan Bates being the guaranteed starter at right guard will be massive too. Because you saw when he got implemented in the starting lineup against the Jets after Ike Butker got hurt. And then he started the next week. And you saw the massive improvements in the offensive line. Like the offensive lines, for the first time, it feels like it's set. There's no child, there's no battles going on for starting jobs like we've had the past few years for the offensive line. Offensive line is set in stone right now. I guess we don't know if Spencer Brown's going to come back and like if he's going to start week one or not. I know he played in the preseason game, but they might want to still ease him into it. I would expect him to start the last preseason. I don't know. I don't know. Because they're still going to try and fill out roster spots because they have one more preseason game to fill out. But like Singletary's looked good. James Cook's looked good. Zach Moss looked really good against the Colts. Scored two touchdowns against the Broncos. He's a very good red zone guy. Raheem Blackshear has played really well in the preseason. Duke Johnson's Duke Johnson, so you know where you're pretty much getting out of him. In regards to receiving back, in regards to shiftiness out of the backfield, you know what you're getting from him. Cleo Shakir has played very, very well in the preseason, so I would expect, well, obviously, I was expecting him to make the roster to begin with. But is there any, like, surprise cuts I could see? Not really. I mean, Zach Moss might be considered a surprise cut, but because Khalil because ba- Blackshear's been playing really well, but I think Blackshear's more looking like a practice squad kind of guy. I don't think they'll cut Duke Johnson. I think Duke Johnson provides more. But then they, James Cook and Duke, Duke Johnson kind of provide the similar similar attributes. Duke Johnson was kick returner in the first preseason game. Preseason game, I don't expect that to stay the same throughout. But, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm excited to see what the season brings. And, uh, yeah, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. They're going to be good again. And we talked about Josh Allen a little bit for the Buffalo Bills. There's a lot of other things that are going on around the NFL in regards to quarterbacks that are very, very interesting and very, very peculiar. Some more newsworthy than others. And I want to start off with this one. And it's Deshaun Watson's suspension got increased to 11 games. It was, remember, it was at six games before. We went through all the different suspensions throughout NFL, the recent NFL history under Roger Goodell and gone over the suspension lengths like Tom Brady's deflated football's four games. Uh... Crap, the Cal- Calvin Ridley's one-year suspension for betting $1,500 in a game he didn't play in. Like, all these different allegate Josh Gordon, exile, blackballed from the NFL for weed. Maybe other substances as well, but mainly weed, which I'm pretty confident 75 to 80% of the NFL has smoked weed or done something with weed at some point in their life. I'm sorry, football players are not these... Uh, 
immortal beings that don't do and either way, like if you're talking about like Calvin Johnson talked about this at his halftime sh- or his halftime show, his Hall of Fame speech. Opioids, not great. Not great either. Those lead to further drug addiction. So there's a lot of things around the NFL that are not really great in regards to health. If you can find other ways to remedy some of the problems you're having in the NFL regards to injuries, concussions, broken arms, torn muscles, stuff like that, just all around body pain. You got your you find other ways to do it. That's on that's good for you. Good for you. But Deshaun has been increased to eleven games. The NFL is some there's something about the NFL. It is everything the NFL does is purposeful, if that makes sense. There's not anything the NFL does that's like, okay, we gotta make this a statement. So they were like, okay, we're gonna try and push Deshaun Watson suspensions to a full season. Which on face value, yeah, that's what you would expect for a situation like this, regardless of if he's innocent or not, regardless of the allegations are true or not. The fact that there is 24 sexual assault allegations, when you look at past the NFL with certain sexual assault allegations, this one's not much longer than the ones that have had like one to two allegations versus 24 to 26 allegations. So a season-long suspension was, you would expect to be the course of action, even though you knew it was never going to happen. That was the route that they probably should have gone. The route they went was six games, which was insanely low, and then compromised at 11. So they met right in the middle. Said no to six, said no to 17, so they said 11. Okay, perfect. And when I say the NFL is purposeful in what they do, Deshaun Watson's first game back will be against the Houston Texans. That's his first game back is against the Houston Texans. And I don't know this or not. I should probably check. I'm going to check this now. Is it in Houston? It is in Houston. This should be a very, very, very interesting experience down in Houston <laughs> to watch this game. Now, I, my family and I, meaning my dad and sister and I, are planning on going to Cleveland Browns-Buffalo Bills game. When Deshaun Watson's suspension got announced at six games, that was even more so. It's like, yes, yes, we have to go to that game. Now it looks like it's going to be Jacoby Brissett or someone else in the form of Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll get to that in a little bit. Ah, we're still going to that game. That's the game I want to go to. I've always wanted to watch the Bills-Browns because they're the two worst teams in the NFL throughout my lifetime. So I wanted to go watch those games now. They're supposed to be not just playoff contenders, but possible Super Bowl contenders. The Browns outside the quarterback until week 13. Or we, yeah, week 13. They have a very good roster. <laughs> very good roster. Decent coaching staff, good roster. They should be good. They could potentially be competing for Super Bowls, even though they have a very, very tough division. With the Bengals who just went to the Super Bowl and the Ravens who have won the division a few years in a row before the Bengals did it. Lamar Jackson, unanimous, unanimous MVP, things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, God. I'm excited, though, for football season. But we talked about Jacoby Brissett versus Jimmy Garoppolo. It's really funny how this is all kind of circulated now. Because remember, these two were in New England together. Jimmy Garoppolo was the backup to Tom Brady, and Jacoby Brissett was the third string. Now, Jacoby Brissett, do I think, is good enough to see the Browns through to Week 13. I think he's fine enough. Would I ever start my franchise with Jacoby Brissett? Never. I would not do that ever. <laughs> I think Jacoby Brissett 
is a fine quarterback, but he's kind of like in that similar mold of, and he's not to that extent, but you have a guy that comes in every once in a while, injuries can be a nice backup, but you don't want him as your long-term starter. The only reason he was a starter for the Colts is because Andrew Luck retired in the preseason. They didn't really have time to get a quarterback, and they are like, well, Getting a quarterback now doesn't really make a lot of sense. We'll go into the season with Kobe Brissett. He played well in the first, like, three or four games of the season. Beat the Chiefs that season. And then did nothing the rest of the year. Played re- bad the rest of the year. Has kind of bounced around from team to team since the Colts. Played for the Dolphins last year. Now he's on the Browns. I think he's fine. I think Jacoby Brissett is fine enough for the Browns at this point in time. The Browns have a really good roster. They have... A good running game. They can lean on the run game. They can lean on the offensive line. He doesn't need to do too much. If anything, is there really a difference massively between Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett? I don't really think so. I think Baker Mayfield is better than Jacoby Brissett. But I don't think there's like a massive gap between the two. And then when you're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is fine. But I don't think he does anything that really goes... Let's L. I know, hey, before anybody says it, I know he went to a Super Bowl. I know he went to an NFC Championship game. I am well aware of that. I don't care. <laughs> He's not an amazing quarterback. But when you trade for someone like Jacoby Brissett or uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo, what are you going to give up for him? Apparently, his shoulder is effed. His shoulder is done, apparently, from what reports are saying. His right shoulder, his throwing shoulder is bad. So you got to factor in that plus the money you're going to have to owe him versus how long you're planning on him being on your roster. Does it make a lot of sense for the Browns who are going to be who he's going to be the starter for 10 games? Does that really make a ton of sense to trade for someone like that? They're going to have to pay a lot of money that has a bad shoulder. Does that I I don't know. I don't know who trades for Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the problem. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is going to think that's what I said. He's gone to a Super Bowl. He's gone to an NFC Championship game. He's gone to two NFC Championships. He's gone to the Super Bowl. But when you watch him play, he does absolutely nothing that goes, yep, that's a franchise guy right there. He went 6-0 in his first game for the San Francisco 49ers. They gave him a massive contract they were desperate for a quarterback. What what does he provide? What is What is his value to a franchise at this point in time? Because you look around the league, who is going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and make him the starter? So Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to accept that he is not a guaranteed starter in this league. And if he gets traded to the Browns, he's definitely not the starter because he's nowhere near Deshaun Watson. We're just talking about on-the-field stuff. In regards to just being a quarterback, Deshaun Watson shits on Jimmy Garoppolo. Deshaun Watson shits on a lot of quarterbacks just in regards to being a quarterback. So I've seen these reports the Browns possibly linked with a trade for Deshaun Watson or for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers are going to ask for something stupid in return anyways. I would not. I would stick with Jacoby Brissett. I think Jacoby Brissett is fine for your first 11 games of the season. I think he's fine. So I would not really go, okay, we've got to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo if I'm a Browns fan. No one's, I don't think there's a lot of people that are saying that at this point in time. Now you were hearing the, the Carolina Panthers talking about trading for Jimmy Garoppolo at one point. The Jets have been linked with Jimmy Garoppolo. Zach Wilson's injury. But they're starting Joe Flacco week one is what it sounds like because they have the connections like LaFleur was the offensive court, or was the quarterback's coach, I believe, for the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. Robert Sala was the defense coordinator for the 49ers, has a relationship there. 
So there's connections there. But when you have a guy like Zach Wilson there, who you're trying to believe in and trying to make the, fran- the face of your franchise, you don't need to trade for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Because, again, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to expect to be the starter all the time. Apparently, from reports that were saying, he didn't talk to the team until they drafted Trey Lance. Like, he never talked to the team in the offseason until they drafted Trey Lance. Because I was like, oh, crap, now we've got to do this. Now I've actually got to talk to him. <laughs> i got to talk to them because they're going to move me on. Everybody knew when they drafted Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be the starter this, the past season, and then Trey Lance was going to start this year. And I expect the 49ers to be a more... And this is crazy because the 49ers, I think, led the league in yards after contact or something like that, or yards per play. Because Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Elijah Mitchell played well last year too. They're going to be a more potent offense by far with Trey Lance because he can do so much more. You can do so many more things with Trey Lance than you can do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a runner, not anywhere close. There are some quarterbacks that don't run that can. Jimmy Garoppolo cannot run. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a running quarterback. Trey Lance has a stronger arm than Jimmy Garoppolo, by far. Trey Lance has one of the strongest arms out of the young quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm not saying it's the strongest because there's a lot of good arms of the young quarterbacks, but he's got a strong arm. He's bigger than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's about 6'4", 230 pounds. Jimmy G's like, what, 6'4", probably 210? 6'3", 210? The 49ers offense will be so much more open with Trey Lance as the starter. And then when you look at the rest of the league, where the hell? I just don't know where he goes. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to want to sit on the bench in San Francisco, and the 49ers are not really going to want to sit him on the bench either because that depreciates his trade value insanely. They've already dis- de- depreciated it enough by announcing Trey Lance a starter, which everybody knew, but no one wants to give you a crap ton of picks or players for a backup quarterback, especially one that you're paying a lot of money to. So it just makes his trade value, especially with the injury, in his injury history, and the recent quotes from Martellus Bennett and Julian Edelman about his hurt left shoulder, with Jacoby Brissett playing with torn ligaments in his thumb, that also compliments, complicates things. Not talking to the 49ers in the offseason until Trey Lance got drafted does not help his, his trade value. There's not a single thing that has happened since Trey Lance has been named the starter that has helped Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value at all. Or just not even since that, just since the offseason started. There's not one thing that has come out that has been like, oh, yeah, this is what Jimmy Garoppolo does great. Like, do they just cut him at this point? Take the loss and cut him? Because if you look around the NFL, let's just go over some teams. The Bills aren't trained for Jimmy Garoppolo. The Dolphins, I don't know. It sounds like they try, they're trying to believe in Tua. They're putting all this propaganda out about Tua being this amazing quarterback that maybe they do trade for him. Maybe this is smoke. Maybe this is what it is. Because we watched Tua. Tua's a fine. He's a decent enough quarterback. But <laughs> do I think he's a top tier guy? No, not at all. The Patriots aren't trained for him. They like Mac Jones. The Jets have already said they're basically not trained for him. The Ravens, Bengals, Brown, Bengals, Ravens, Bengals, Steelers aren't trained for him. Texans, I could see them trained for him. But I, they might still want to try and believe in Davis Mills. And I like Davis Mills. So maybe they, they could try to trade for him. Nick Casario was down there in Houston. He was from the Patriots organization. He was part of the unit that drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in England. So maybe they trade for him. Colts, no. Jags, no. Titans, no. Broncos, no. Chiefs, no. Raiders, no. Chargers, no. So out of the teams in the AFC, the two likely candidates, apparently, and we're going by reports, are the Browns and Texans. 
coincidentally, the two teams Deshaun Watson played for. <laughs> and he's going to have to replace Deshaun Watson at one of those two spots, whether it be in Houston or, <laughs> or in Cleveland. I think the Texans are more likely target for Jimmy Garoppolo than the Cleveland Browns. But we'll see. I like Davis Mills. I think the, the future of Davis Mills is a little more murky than the future of Deshaun Watson. So I think that's where you're looking at there. Then you've got the Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, Commanders. No, none of the teams in there. The Giants are an interesting one because they have Tyra Taylor there, and Tyra Taylor taking first reps, reps with the first team. And apparently this is not an indictment on Daniel Jones. Okay, then why is Tyrod getting <laughs> reps with the first team if it's not an indictment on Daniel Jones? That doesn't make any sense to me. NFC North, Bears, no. Lions, no. Packers, no. Vikings, no. NFC South, Falcons, no. Panthers, no. Saints, no. Bucks, no. NFC West, Cardinals, no. Rams, no. Niners, have them, no. Seahawks, maybe. Because Geno Smith and Drew Locke are probably the worst tandem of quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> I, I guess you could say like the Falcons too. Just because Ritter hasn't played and, DeMar- and Marcus Mariota just was a backup last year. So maybe they're up there too. But <laughs> Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Like the Athletic just ranked Geno Smith as the worst quarterback in the NFL. So we'll see how that one goes. But So you're looking at four teams potentially, or three. Yeah, three teams potentially. The Seahawks, Texans, and Browns. And I don't know which team fits Garoppolo more or which team would actually trade for Jimmy Garoppolo given what the 49ers are apparently wanting for a quarterback that has a bad shoulder, throwing shoulder nonetheless, has not talked to the team in many offseasons apart from one when they draft his replacement, has had questionable conduct off the field as well. Teammates don't particularly rate him as highly in New England. Prefer Jacoby Brissett given toughness. But he's gone to a Super Bowl. He's been to two NFC Championship games. Just very intriguing. Very intriguing. And I'm excited to see how this thing plays out. But, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what they're going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I have no idea. Your guess about Jimmy Garoppolo and his future is as good as mine. Because, again, when you're, when you're at, without your starter for 11 games, trading for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo is not worth it. Unless you have a quarterback question mark where you don't have a guy coming back. Like, yes, the Texans, the Browns don't have a guy right now. Jacoby Brissett is, quote-unquote, their guy. But their guy is going to come back. The Texans on their roster, here's what we're looking at with the Houston Texans roster in regards to the quarterback position, okay? So we got Davis Mills as a starter. Again, I'm perfectly fine with Davis Mills. Then you got Kyle Allen and Jeff Driscoll. You got Davis Mills, Kyle Allen, and Jeff Driscoll as your starting court as your quarterbacks. Then you've got Seattle, who's Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and Jacob Eason. They don't none of the, these two teams do not have quote unquote the guy at this point in time. Do I think Davis Mills could develop into quote unquote the guy? Yes, I think he can. But I don't know how soon or how late that will be. If the Texans are a bad team again, which everybody's expecting them to be, they will more likely than not draft Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud in April. I'd be shocked if they went, if they're a bad team this year and they have a chance to draft C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young and they don't draft either one of those two, I'd be shocked. 
It's kind of a similar situation to Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence. Where it didn't matter how good Trevor Lawrence or Gardner Minshew played, even though they went 1-15, it didn't matter how... And he played... Given the record, they were all right. He was all right. But he was never going to keep his job. They were going to draft Trevor Lawrence 99% of the time. The Texans might have the number one overall pick this year. Is there a chance they draft Will Anderson first overall? Jalen Carter or someone like that? Yes, there is a chance. But the NFL is built around having a guy. And when you don't have a guy, and you're a team that finishes with the worst record in the NFL, potentially that the Texans could, it's going to be bad. You need the guy. And if one of the guys is available in Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, you pounce on that opportunity without a second thought. It's just it's just instinctive reaction right there. Because when you have when you have those kind of guys, when you have the guy, everything else kind of sorts itself out to a certain extent. When you see these really good teams, it's usually when they have quarterbacks on like rookie contracts. So they can afford to pay everybody else before they pay their quarterbacks. The quarterback will get paid more than anybody else in the roster. Unless your name's Tom Brady and you're taking pay cuts and stuff like that. Whether you're wanting to or not, if you're a starting quarterback, especially one that's drafted really high like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud will be come April, you t- they're going to get paid. They're going to get paid. So you take advantage of those guys while you can. Uh, that's the wrong way to put it. But <laughs> but you have young guys that like that. you got to take advantage of their contract situation while you can and then build the rest of your roster that way. And if those two are available wherever the Texans pick and they don't pass on them, I if they don't pick one of them, I would be – absolutely shot. So trading for Jimmy Garoppolo now, if the Texans are committed to this tank, potentially, I would not probably... So I think the only viable option for Jimmy Garoppolo really is Seattle. I really can't think of any other options for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the Texans and the freaking Seahawks are the two most likely destinations for Jimmy Garoppolo. Because I look at the Seahawks, they're not in tank mode. They're definitely not in tank mode. They're not in win-now mode by any stretch of the imagination. But they're not in, like, competing for number one overall draft pick spot. They got good players on their team. The Texans do not. (laughs) The Texans have Jonathan Greenard, Laramie Tunsil, and the people they drafted this year. They drafted some decent players like Derek Stingley. They got him. Very nice player. But other than that, the rest of the Texans roster is nothing... Fantastic. They just signed Brandon Cooks to a contract extension this offseason. But all in all, when you're the Houston Texans, when you look at this Texans roster, you are not in win-now mode. You are in full-blown tank mode. Tank, tank, tank. Again, I like some of the pieces they drafted. I like Derek Stingley. I like Jalen Petrie. I like Damian Pierce, the running back from Florida. They brought in Jerry Hughes this offseason from Buffalo. Brian Mario Addison. But there's not one thing on this roster that makes me go, yep, this team is going to win past five games this year. The Seahawks, I would be surprised they won less than six at this point. I think their win total is going to be somewhere, maybe five to eight is the Seahawks' win total for this year. But having a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo versus having a quarterback like Jimmy G, or like, wow, really, like having a quarterback like Geno or Drew Locke, I think your best option for Seattle is Jimmy. If that makes sense, divisional trades. We'll see how that goes. I'm not. I'm not usually a massive fan of in division trades unless it's completely screwing over another team. And I don't think trading Jimmy Garoppolo the Seahawks are screwing them over. I think that's giving them a right now fix at quarterback. I don't think Geno or 
Drew Locke are those right now fixes for the Seattle Seahawks. I think Drew Locke's got some talent in there. Geno Smith has been a backup for like five years now. Yeah, I, if I'm the Seahawks, I'd trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. So out of all 32 teams in the NFL, I think there's two viable options for Jimmy G, and we are looking at the possibilities of the tank versus not, I think the Seahawks are the most likely destination for Jimmy Garoppolo. So again, if you look at their roster, like you've got Rashad Penny at running back, you got Kenneth Walker drafted in the second round, nice pick. You got Tyler Lockett and Jake D- DK Metcalf at wide receiver. You've got Noah Fant. You got in the trade from for Russell Wilson. Charles Cross. You just drafted him. Abraham Lucas at right tackle. You got a Washington State guy there. Two decent young tackles. So there are going to be some learning curves along the way for those two, but they're both solid tackles. You got Shelby Harris in the trade as well. You got Uchenna Nuosu, who's a fine outside linebacker. You got Quandre Diggs, who's a very nice safety. Jamal Adams, hit or miss, but. At his best, he's very he's a very solid safety at his best. Already burned scares me. We got Tarek Woolen, the rookie from UTSA, big tall corner, ran like a four two nine at the combine at six foot four, whatever. You got Kobe Bryant there as well from Cincinnati, another rookie, solid player. So yeah. I think if the Seahawks Yeah. All in all, I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this because I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo makes the Seahawks playoff contenders because the though the NFC is relatively weak compared to the AFC this year, I don't think that makes it because the Cardinals are better still. The 49ers are way better. 49ers and Rams are both better than the Seahawks right now, and the Cardinals are better than the Seahawks right now. Jimmy Garoppolo, does that improve them that vastly? No, but it gives them an actual competent option at quarterback for the here and now. And then you could draft a quarterback next year, whether it's you got two first-round picks. You got the Broncos pick, and you got your own pick. There's some decent quarterbacks in this draft. So I'm going to rule out Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud for the time being for the Seahawks. I don't think they're going to be that bad, regardless of if they get Jimmy Garoppolo or not. I don't think they're going to be that bad to get to have a chance to do one of those two. But you could possibly look like a Will Levis, depending on where you're drafting. Will Levis could be a possible top 10 pick. Anthony Richardson, same thing. Possible top 10 pick could fall somewhere in the first round. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, another viable option. I think those are your top three guys. You're looking at first-round draft picks for the Seattle Seahawks. You can look at, if we're going off-the-cuff things, you can go Washington State product, Cameron Ward. I think that would be a fun prospect to watch out for just because he's an in-state guy. They drafted Abraham Lucas from Washington State. Might as well get a quarterback from Washington State. I I don't know. The logic's not there. But you know what? That's what (laughs) I'm using that right now. Tanner McKee from Stanford. Jaron Hall from BYU. Like, late-round draft picks. Like, you can get some decent quarterbacks in later rounds this this next draft. This quarterback draft class is better than the one from last year. So you could get some decent guys. I would expect four to five quarterbacks to draft in the first round this year. I'm leaning towards more four than five, but I do think there's a possibility of five quarterbacks getting drafted in the first round. I think we get two guaranteed in the top ten. I think Will Levis falls somewhere between 10 and 20, and then Richardson and Van Dyke fall somewhere between probably 17 and 32. That's what my prediction is at this point in time. That's obviously subject to change, but given how seasons go, because last year I don't think a lot of people were expecting Spencer Rattler to not be a first-round draft pick, let alone transfer to South Carolina of all schools and get benched again for Caleb Williams, for a different quarterback. Tanner Mordecai the year before, Caleb Williams this year. But yeah, if I'm Seattle, I'd trade for Jimmy. That's how I'm looking at it. Because they didn't draft a quarterback, which I was partially surprised about. Not not insanely. So for first-round draft pick, no, I was not surprised. But 
And we're looking at the later rounds. I was kind of surprised they were not one of the teams that moved for a quarterback. Because they, they reportedly really liked Malik Willis. They reportedly really liked Sam Howell and Matt Corral. And sorry to hear about Matt Corral having Liz Frank, had a Liz Frank injury, which sucks. Going to rule him out. I mean, he was out for the season anyways because they just named Baker Mayfield the starter. It's the shock of nobody. So he wasn't going to play. He was going to be the third-string quarterback unless they cut or traded Sam Darnold, which I could see as a possible surprise if Matt Corral didn't get hurt, which he did. So that rules that probably rules out the opportunity for Sam Darnold to get cut or traded. But speaking of that, you know, quarterbacks from the 2018 draft class, I, this just randomly popped in my head. Let's see if Josh Rosen's changed his Twitter. See how his Twitter's looking out right now. Oh, nope. It's still, it's still got quarterback of the Cleveland Browns in his bio, but the pro, the profile pictures are still Cardinals and Dolphins. So hopefully he changes those around fairly soon. But, yeah, time will tell on that. But I, I'm sorry to hear about Matt Corral wishing for a speedy recovery because that was a nice get. No one really expected Matt Corral to be in the third round. Panthers had two draft picks between picks – in the first round pick and their fourth round pick, they traded up to the third round to get a guy that could have fallen in the first round. So good pick, but not going to be used this year. The second year in a row, we've had a rookie go down with Liz Frank injury. We had Travis Etienne last year against the Saints right after I drafted him in fantasy football. Like I'm not, we were watching, it was the Saints versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. And right as I clicked, I want Travis Etienne. Boom. Liz Frank injury. Out for the season. But apparently he's tearing it up this offseason. So hope he can get him this year. Have a redemption tour for Travis Etienne this year. But crap, Matt Corral will not play. He wasn't going to play a lot anyways, given the fact that Baker Mayfield was there. But he could have had a chance to be the backup. That's gone. He's not the backup. He's not third string. He's not even anything on the roster anymore. But Matt Corral, the top four quarterbacks, wasn't really surprised at where they went. In regards to the order. Kenny Pickett, Ritter, Willis, Corral. I don't think a lot of people had a ton of different, had a ton of, insanely different quarterback rankings for that. I think a lot of people, like myself, I believe I had it Pickett, Willis, Corral, Ritter. What was my final quarterback rankings? Hold on. I don't even remember what my rankings were. To, to be fair, it was a few months ago, so I'm sorry for not getting exactly right. Final prospect rankings. Okay. It was Willis, Pickett, Corral, Ritter. Which I, I still... I think Malik Willis, now here's the thing. I think Malik Willis can do a whole lot more. I think his ceiling is is a lot higher than Kenny Pickett's, but I like Kenny Pickett a lot. I do not I didn't want want to I wanted to clarify that. I think Willis can do more with the football, but I do think Pickett will be a very good quarterback. I really like Kenny Pickett. I just really like Malik Willis as well. But I was was I surprised when Willis fell to the third round? In part, yes, but that just showed how little prepared he was. He has the physical tools to be a great quarterback in the NFL. Just see when he gets the opportunity for it. But with that being said, looking at the rookie quarterbacks from this past year, there's been a lot of talk about the rookie quarterbacks this preseason because a lot of them have been playing pretty well. Like Ritter played, has put up some very nice passes for the Atlanta Falcons so far this season. Willis has put on a show so far for the Tennessee Titans this preseason. Kenny Pickett's looked really well for the Pittsburgh Steelers this preseason. And I still, to this day, do not understand the New England Patriots drafting Bailey Zappi in the fourth round. That that pick still surprises me a little bit. Though Bailey Zappi has played well so far this preseason, well enough. Nothing fantastic at all, but like well enough. He threw for 205 yards the first game of the preseason. 19-32, threw an interception. He's thrown two picks in the preseason, one touchdown. But it just threw me off, it threw me through a loop. 
Like, Bailey Zappi broke all Joe Burrow's passing records to a lesser extent because it comes from an insanely high-octane offense at Western Kentucky. But he's not necessarily the biggest. He doesn't have that strong of an arm. But he put up really good numbers. But I, so I was surprised when he got drafted before Sam Howell by a lot. So when I look at the rookie quarterbacks and we look at who is going to start first or who is the most likely to start. So there were nine quarterbacks drafted. I believe there was nine, right? Yeah. Wait, hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. eight. Yeah, nine. Eight have a chance to start. Eight of them have a chance to start. Matt Corral is not because Matt Corral is hurt. Out of all the quarterbacks that were drafted, so here's the here's where they were taken. Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback in the first round, picked 20th by the Steelers. We had Ritter, Willis, and Corral taken in the third round by the Falcons, Titans, and Panthers. Zappi in the fourth. Sam Howell in the fifth by the Commanders. Chris Oladikin from San, geez, South Dakota State went to the seventh round of the Steelers. We had Skylar Thompson of the Dolphins and Brock Purdy to the 49ers. So out of those nine, minus Corral, so eight, Here's my rankings for how likely they are to start for their team the early. Who's going to start the earliest for their team? So the bottom's Chris Alotikin. Okay, sorry, that's just how it works. You're a seventh round draft pick. They draft a quarterback in the first round. That's familiar with the organization. I'm sorry, Chris. You're not going to start. Probably a practice squad guy. Could surprise me though. I mean, hey, Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round, pick 199. No one expected him to do anything. He beat out the number one overall pick in the draft. So you know what? Things happen. Kirk Cousins was, I think, a fifth-rounder, third-round draft pick. He beat out the second overall pick in the draft. So things happen. But I don't think that happens this year. Number seven, Bailey Zappi, probably. Because here's – so my logic for this one, and it's weird because the quarterbacks – there are three quarterbacks above him that were taken after him in the draft. So Bailey Zappi, fourth-round draft pick. I think what helps Bailey or hurts Bailey Zappi is that Mac Jones doesn't move. So when you don't have a quarterback that's really that mobile, pocket guy, Patriots have a decent enough off the line, run the ball very much, very well, run the ball a lot. Mac Jones is the chances of Mac Jones getting hurt are very, very low. And I really don't see a reality where the Patriots cut Brian Hoyer. I think Brian Hoyer is a very good mentor for Mac Jones. And I think next year we might see Brian Hoyer leave and Bailey Zappi become the backup. But right now, I think Brian Hoyer stays. So if Mac Jones somehow gets hurt throughout the season, it's going to be Brian Hoyer as a starter. I think the Patriots like Brian Hoyer quite a bit. I don't know how long exactly he's been in New England, but it's been a while. He's bounced around the NFL a little bit, but he's been consistent in New England. He played for like the Browns, the Played for the Cardinals for a little bit, the Texans, Bears, Niners, Colts. But he's been in New England, and if you look at his NFL career, he's played there six, seven times. Seven years he's been in New England. Seven years. Started his career there, has played the last two years there, had the Colts in between, and then two years before that, too. I didn't even know he played for the the Bears. I completely forgot about that one. Six touchdowns, no picks, though. I remember the Browns one, because that was the whole Johnny Manziel thing was that year. But yeah, I don't, I don't really at this point in time. Thirty-six years old, Brian Hoyer's career is going to be done after this year, anyways. I think the Patriots just keep him on the roster. Mac Jones' chance of getting hurt are very low. Mac Jones weirdly was ranked eighty-fifth in the NFL top one hundred players list, which is confusing as hell. I don't understand how that happened. I get the playoffs thing, but man, no, he's not the eighty-fifth best player in the NFL. 
They had him ranked higher than Kirk Cousins. He's not better than Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry. I don't know if there's a lot of Patriots fans that would tell you that. But that's neither here nor there. But Bailey Zappi, I don't think, starts at all this year. I'd be very shocked if he starts. Next one's Brock Purdy. And this one kind of goes to the similar thing I was saying about Mac Jones, where Trey Lance runs a lot. Trey Lance's risk of injury is higher than Mac Jones' risk of injury. And the thing is with this, the 49ers are going to cut or trade Jimmy Garoppolo at some point. So when you look at the 49ers starting, the other quarterbacks on the 49ers roster, it's Lance and Nate Sudfeld. Is there? I know Nate Sudfeld's been around the league for a little bit, but I really don't see like Nate Sudfeld being this impenetrable force that Brock Purdy just can't get past. Nate Sudfeld's had some decent time in the NFL so far, decent enough, but he's not something that Brock Purdy can't get past. I'm not saying Brock Purdy's this amazing quarterback, but I think Brock Purdy, given time, could pass him if Trey Lance does somehow get hurt. Actually, no, wait, I got to move Trey Lance up, Brock Purdy up one, because I forgot about something. <laughs> I, okay, no, I, we're moving a guy down. We're moving a guy down. Hold on. Okay. Hold on, let me look at something real quick. <laughs> this is, I forgot about someone here. Okay. Hold on. Hold, keep holding on, people. Keep holding on. Hold on. Keep it on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We're trying to be fast. We're trying to be fast. I'm sorry. Okay. This one's kind of interesting. So, Skylar Thompson's on here, too. Skylar Thompson, again, was drafted in the seventh round by the Dolphins. Skylar Thompson's played very, very well this preseason. Out of all the star, out of all the rookie quarterbacks, he's been one of the better ones in the preseason so far. And I had Skylar Thompson higher because he's been playing well in the preseason, but I forgot Teddy Bridgewater exists. So if Tua goes in, Teddy Bridgewater's starting. So I'd have to move Skylar back to seven because I think there's a lesser chance of Teddy Bridgewater getting cut than there is Brian Hoyer. So I think there's a chance that Zappi does play before Thompson. But I don't think they play before Purdy because of the fat Sudfelds there and Jimmy Garoppolo's get cut or traded and Sudfelds. An all-right quarterback with nothing spectacular, and Trey Lance could get hurt because he runs a lot. I think if Tua gets benched, it'll be for T- for Teddy, not Skyler. And Mac Jones, I don't think it's hurt. And if he does, Brian Hoyer's going in. So I think that's the situation we got here. Number four, Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell has more physical tools than Taylor Heineke does. I know a lot of people really like Taylor, Taylor Heineke. I, hell, I like Taylor Heineke. I remember watching that game against the Buccaneers like, wow, this is a pretty fun game. But he is if is he really that much better than Sam Howell? And I could see a world where the Washington Commanders are not very good again, and Carson Wentz is insanely frustrating at times. So I could see a world where they do end up pulling the plug on Wentz and Sam Howell going in. Because Sam Howell, like Skylar Thompson, has played well so far this preseason. He has played well the first game especially. Though they lost, he played well. Went 9 of 16, 145 yards. Also put up 19 yards rushing with two touchdowns there. Like Sam Howell, I think the thing that helps him out a lot is that he can move. All the quarterbacks in Washington can move to a certain extent. But, yeah, I could see him a reality where he does irk his way into a starting job at some point. At some point. Number three, I have uh, Malik Willis. Malik Willis has been playing very, very well, and I think he will start at some point this season, whether that's in a a last game of the season because the Titans clinched a playoff spot or Ryan, or something, whatever. 
I think Malik Willis will see playing time this year. I do think Malik Willis will get playing time. I don't think it will be as early as the two guys ahead of him. Just because I think Ryan Tannehill, though his last game he played was horrific against Cincinnati Bengals where he threw three, I think it was, th- I'm pretty sure it was three, really bad interceptions. One insanely bad interception. Three bad ones, though. And Malik Willis, though he's played well. Though he has played well this season, everybody was hyped after his first preseason game against the Ravens. I don't think we see Malik Willis start as early as the two guys above him. I don't. I think there's a lot of things that he needs to work on to a certain extent, and I think sitting a year behind Ryan Tannehill will help him out a lot. And I think next year we actually start having the conversation of could Malik Willis be the Titans' full-time starter next year. At this point next year, I think we could be having that conversation, but I don't think that happens this year. Number two is Desmond Ritter. Because I think when you look at the Atlanta Falcons on their roster, I don't think the gap, at least physically, the gap between Mariota and Ritter is not very big. And we're talking about college quarterbacks. I mean, Marcus Mariota is one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Ritter had a very good season at Cincinnati, played a, had a really good career at Cincinnati, but it was never at the levels that Marcus Mariota was at at Oregon. But I think Mariota's at the time where he hasn't played in a little bit. He's been mainly used as a running quarterback for the Raiders. I think he is a solid enough quarterback to get the job done for most part, but I do think there's a chance for Desmond Ritter to come in and play right away. Not like super, super, I could see it like week six, because the Falcons are going to be bad. The Falcons are not going to be a good team this year. I'm fairly confident saying that. Against the Jets, Desmond Ritter put up a really nice performance, had freaking 100, geez, 143 yards passing. I think he's good. I like Desmond Ritter a lot, and I think when you look at them physically, they look pretty fairly similar. I mean, they're both about 6'4", 220 pounds. Big dudes, can run. Ritter's got a stronger arm, in my opinion, than Mariota does, but I could see a reality where they where he does end up going in and starting because, again, the Falcons are not good. They're not very good. Their O-line's not very good. Their Cordell Patterson is the number one running back. They did draft Tyler Allgaier from BYU, which I'm very uh, very intrigued to see how he does. They got Drake London at the fifth overall, fifth, eighth overall pick. But then, like, Brian Edwards from the Raiders, Olamade Zacchaeus, Kadero Hodge, Geronimo Allison still in the league. I keep forgetting about that. Kyle Pitts is good. We all know about Kyle Pitts. Parker Hesse, former defense at Iowa. Defense, A.J. Terrell. They drafted good. I mean, they got D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky. I like that pick. Arnold Ebichetti from Penn State. like that pick as well. Brian Casey Hayward. We'll see if Casey Hayward still got some stuff in there for him. But this team's not going to be good. So I think there's a really strong case for Desmond to start at some point throughout the season. And the number one, it's obviously Kenny Pickett. I know he's third string right now. I know he's third string, but Kenny Pickett is not going to be third string for very long. I don't think there's a world. I think there's a chance he could start week one. A chance. I'm not saying it's a great chance, but you look at what he's done this preseason. His first game through two touchdowns, had two incompletions there. Second preseason game, I believe he only had one incompletion. Is that right? Yeah, six for seven, 76 yards and a touchdown. Can also run the ball fairly well as well. I like Mitch Trubisky. I think he get. I think he deserves a shot to start Week One, and start a few games into the season. But you look at the first few games for the Steelers against the Bengals, Patriots, and Browns. It's not necessarily the easiest route. I'm not saying they're the hardest teams to play. But the Patriots' defense is always going to be tough because you got Bill Belichick there. The Browns have a very solid defense, so I think there is a reality where we see Kenny Pickett start relatively early. I don't know how soon that is. 
And this makes it interesting with no quarterbacks really going to start early in the season or guaranteed to start early in the season at this point in time. This opens the door for position players to win Rookie of the Year. And you look at the position players from around the NFL and who could win Rookie of the Year, you got some good ones. The main one we're looking at right now is George Pickens, who I was fairly surprised at him not going to the first round. Because I, I remember seeing something that the Packers really liked him. Or the, the Chiefs really liked him. The Chiefs really liked him. Because I had him going to the Chiefs in my mock, my last draft. At least I remember, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, then he fell all the way to the second round. Two picks before the Chiefs. And there were some receivers that got taken before him that I was really surprised about. John Mechie was coming off an ACL injury. Wondell Robinson. Tyquan Thornton. Alec, no, Alec Pierce went one pick after him. But I was surprised by that. Really surprised about some of these receivers that went. Christian Watson, I can I, I can understand why he went before him. I think I had him ranked higher in the rankings anyways. And he just felt like a Packers player. We all knew he felt like a Packers player. I think I had him going to the Packers at some point. Or I know I had him going to the Packers at some point. But I'm going to the Chiefs. George Pickens to the Chiefs at pick like 30. Yeah, I had him go to the Chiefs at 30. Where did I did I have Christian Watson anywhere? I think I had him going to the Packers, right? Because he had two picks. I trail on Burks to the Packers. Huh. I haven't looked at this mock draft since I made since I made it. This is interesting. Let's go through it. Let's go through it. Actually, let's go through it. But George Pickens, I think George Pickens, you're looking at Brees Hall from the Jets. I think Romeo Dubs or Christian Watson, one of the Packers wideouts. So you look at the Packers wide receiver court. Sammy Watkins is always hurt. Al Lazard, I think, is fine. But when you have someone like Christian Watson who's unlimited limitless potential, and Romeo Dubs, who I really like, though he's had some drops, I really like Romeo Dubs out of Nevada. We liked him going into the draft. I like him still now. He's played well so far this preseason. So you're looking at some of the wide receivers. Traylon Burks not played the greatest, but I could, I'm intrigued to see how they use him. I mean, Jamar Chase didn't play the greatest in preseason last year. Remember, he couldn't catch anything. That was what the whole thing was. That, oh, Jamar Chase can't catch. Jamar Chase can't catch. He can't do this. He can't do that. And he turned out to be he turned out to be pretty good. He turned out he turned out to be all right. He turned out to be all right. Is there anybody else? Sky Moore. I think he'd have a really nice rookie year. Do I have anybody else ranked on here outside of like if I had to go like some deep deep draft draft pick, like go deep into the draft? Like the Packers drafted, I think three or four wide receivers this year. So people get upset that they don't draft wide receivers in the first round. They got some decent ones in this draft. They got some decent ones later. I think Kenneth Walker can win it because the Seahawks love to run the football, especially with their current quarterback situation. I could see them running the ball quite a bit. I'm sorry my voice is a little raspy right now. Um, Kyle Phillips, I believe, from uh, the Titans. I think he's had a very nice preseason, a pretty nice preseason, if I'm remembering right. I don't know. It's it's hard to predict the rookie of the year thing right now because no quarterback thing always makes it a little more difficult. I think David Bell could have a shout there for the Cleveland Browns. I don't know how well he's been playing in preseason at all. Jalen Tolbert from the Dallas Cowboys, I think, has a shot as well. I'm just naming wide receivers at this point. <laughs> but I do like I do like Jalen Tolbert quite a bit. But I think like George Pickens, Sky Moore, one of the Packers guys, Brees, maybe. Because the Jets off the line again is not terrible. But the Jets do have a few options at running back, and I could see a reality where Robert Sala tries to platoon the running backs. 
They do have quite a bit of them. But Brees Hall, dominant in college. I, I have no doubt he'll be a very good player in the NFL. But looking back on my mod draft, we had Trayvon Walker one. We had the top three picks right. And then I flipped back and forth between Aquanu and Gardner for the Jets. So reports saying that they would not pass on Aquanu. They did. If he was available, Giants take Charles Cross because I was reported. Evan Neal to the Panthers. They took a tackle. They took a Quanu. Giants taking Sauce Gardner at seven. John, Jermaine Johnson to the Falcons at eight, which is what was reported. Though they knew, though it said they really liked Drake London. Though they really liked Drake London, that's what was reported. Seahawks taking Thibodeau at nine. Drake London to the Jets at ten. We knew he was going to be the first receiver. Chris Olave to the Commanders at eleven, which was, you know, not far off. He was drafted eleventh. Uh, Kyle Hamilton to the Vikings at 12, which is probably what should have happened. Kyle Hamilton has played really well this preseason. Garrett Wilson to the, Fa- the Texans at 13. They ended up taking uh, Kenyon Green at 15. Jordan Davis to the Ravens at 14. James Williams to the Eagles at 15. Trevor Penning to the Saints at 16. went 19. Chargers take Kyrie Elam at 17. He went to the Bills at 24. Eagles take Trent McDuffie at 18. They traded that pick to the Titans for A.J. Brown. Kenny Pick to the Saints, Malik Willis to the Steelers, Quay Walker to the Patriots, who went to the Packers to pick later, who went took Traylon Burks, who did not take. Cardinals taking Jahan Dotson, they traded for Marquise Brown from the Ravens. Tyler Smith to the Cowboys, got that one right from Tulsa, Breach Hall to the Bills. Zion Johnson, the Titans, at 26, he went 17 to the Chargers. Bucks took Lewis Seen, hey, he went to the Vikings at 32. Packers, Devin Lloyd. Chiefs Boye Mafe, they took George Karlaftis at 30. They had them taking George Pickens. Logan Hall to the Bengals at 31. They took Daxton Hill, who I really like. And the Lions, they traded up to get Jameson Williams. They took Daxton Hill at 32 on my mock draft, which had no trades. Do I have a second round in here at all, or do I just stick with the first? I just stuck with the first round. But, man, this show, I'm going to be 100% honest, has not been great. <laughs> I'm not – my brain is all over the place right now, so I'm not – I'm not having the greatest show of all time, but I'd like to close on this. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau got hurt in the preseason game against the Bengals. going to be out like three to four weeks. And I've watched the clip about a thousand times, and people are starting to hate cut blocking. And if you listen to the show with Zach and Kevin, you would hear about the cut blocking quite a bit. <laughs> Kevin was making fun of cut blocking quite a bit, but man, it, it's effective. It is effective. Is it illegal? No. But is it necessary in preseason? I, kinda, I was talking to this with my dad about this yesterday. This is the problem, kind of, to a certain extent, where you have people that are desperate for jobs in the NFL that are going to go super above and beyond to try and make the roster and then do something that could potentially injure a player. Legal block, yes. You want to see the block happen if you're the coaches, but it's kind of – it's a peculiar spot. That's the that's one of the issues with preseason. It's one of the issues with preseason. We've had a couple players get hurt, nothing major – like, big-time injuries. We have Matt Corral's injury, but, like, Zach Wilson's not going to be out for a long time. Kayvon Thibodeau's not going to be out for a long time, which is good. We don't want these players to be out for a long time. They're just starting all their careers off. We want them to start off on the best foot possible. And I'm excited to see what they do. But with that being said, let's end this horror show of a show right here. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Not the greatest. Not the greatest show. But you know what? We move. Take the L and move on. That's what we always say. But we'll be back on Friday. Hope you enjoyed Friday's show more. If you enjoyed this one, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you enjoying this one. But, yeah, that's all I've got for you today. If you did not enjoy it, leave a rating down below or leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and tell me why you did not enjoy it. If you enjoyed it, do the same thing, but tell me why you enjoyed it. 
Make sure, again, you're following Logan Blyman Show on all forms of social media. And, of course, make sure you're subscribed and or following the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. Again, leave your rating on a five-star description down below why you believe that about this episode of the show in general. And I will see you all later. Peace.